welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm producer Bill. I'm Ed Greer. And I'm Ron Swallow. And today, we're going to be talking about The Greatest in Horror, or The Greatest Horror. I don't know what I'm going to title it yet, but basically, we're talking about horror things, novels, movies, comics even, that have affected us at The Greatest Pod. Happy Halloween, everybody. Here we go. Oh, yeah. So this is going to be very revelatory because what scares you is, I mean, it's a greater Rorschach test than what turns you on, actually. I mm-hmm. think. Also, they're not always that far apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say uh, huge titties knocking Whoa. me out is one well, of my big fears. There you go. <laughs> oh, I hope that is the hope nobody voiced that upon you when we go to these comic cons and shit. <laughs> I hope nobody tries to scare oh, no. you to death. Oh, no. Giant <laughs> tits flying at my face. Oh, what no. am I going to do? Oh, <laughs> Dude, oh speaking of Comic-Cons, uh, we will be at LA Comic-Con uh, December uh, 2nd. So if you're out there, come to LA Comic-Con and check us out. We got a panel for The Greatest Pod, and we got a panel for uh, Nerdy Stand-Up uh, for adults. So sorry, just getting excited. It I will be great. there too. Often yep. Ron and Ed will make appearances and I am not there, but I am going to Comic-Con. I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm going to pick up some indie books because you got to put your money where your mouth is. And yeah, we're doing that panel. That's right. Super sick. And it's going to be like a, it's going to be like a, a show that encompasses all that we do. Yep, That's all yes. I'll say. So you guys who have been longtime fans, imagine all the things that we do and imagine seeing that done in about an hour live. <laughs> it's it's going to be, be live theater. We're going to be creating stories on the fly. We're going to be drawing comics. You'll walk out of there with a brand new graphic novel created on the spot. No promises. <laughs> no promises. And, and speaking of fears, uh, <laughs> I fear that no one will show up. So show up. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, everybody yeah. within the sound of our voices that is going to be at LA Comic Con. You literally have to come. And you notice how we're not saying a time because we don't know the time slot yet. It's one of those things about doing a con appearance. They tell you a little bit before. So as soon as we know, you shall know. There exactly. you go. So, Ron, I think we should start with you, though, because you are the most horror verse of the crew. Yeah. I mean, really, what it comes down to it, it's like, let's see. I mean, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street. I've seen, uh, of course, The Shining. And maybe the, to, to be clear, The Shining. And V might be the reasons I stopped watching horror because these were things that I saw when I was probably too young to see them because I like snuck down and the apartment mm. I lived in, there was like a little, little like a, I don't know, a triangle space where I could put my little head and my parents' backs were to me so they could never see me while they were watching shows. And I remember specifically, I watched some of The Shining where the two girls come out and there's oh, the yeah. blood coming out of the elevator. No, it ended me. I had nightmares for that for weeks. And then on, on top of that, um, the part in V where they rip the mom's face off or the dad's face off and it's a lizard. Mm. That fucked me up too. So like from that point on, I was like, mm, is, maybe this is uh, not not for Ron Swallow nightmare times. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I I'll I'll cop to the fact that like for a long time I also had no interest in horror, but I think about the time I really got serious about appreciating cinema, I realized that like some of the most inventive, kind of low budget, off the wall stuff is being done in horror all the time, 
and so many of our greatest directors got their start with horror in movies in particular. 100%. I mean, I did watch Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, of course, because that's like nerd requirements. But I don't know if they count as horror. You know what I mean? Like it it was campy. I mean, I know the first Evil Dead is, was supposed to be horror, but ended up kind of being more funny than horror. And then they leaned into that. Evil Dead 2, I, I'll go to my grave saying Evil Dead 2 is the superior product. It's and great. It's, yeah, and it's like, yes, obviously, it's essentially them redoing the first one with everything they learned and a lot more money. And so, of course, it's going to be better. And, you know, maybe it's the sellout version. But Evil Dead 2 is like the apotheosis of that franchise. Well, and what, one thing I would say in regards to, like, what makes something a horror to me or not is... Do I care about the characters? Do they spend enough time setting up the characters? Mm. Some movies where there's just these mm. dastardly pieces of shit that you want to die, just sort of set up in one second vignettes, and then they all arrive at the lake, and then sharks start eating them. It's like, I do not give a fuck, like, at all. But if 100%. you spend, like, 30 fucking minutes talking about, oh, yeah, my husband died, and me and my kid just want to get out of the city for a while, and next thing you know, there's cannibal people in the in the trees or inside their house already you know there were squatters and then they came and didn't know it and all this jazz you're just like oh fuck that lady and her kid and the kid's never going to get out of its shell if it gets decapitated you know what i mean (laughs) all that type of stuff and and i think a lot of horror starts at like definitely making you care about the characters as far as like while you're creating horror the thing that creates a lot of horror for me i've realized when i'm thinking about it is a lack of control so mm-hmm. so some of the stuff that's the most scary to me are things where like someone you they have established seems like a regular person goes completely insane and is somehow unstoppable. Any of the ones where you get taken over, that stuff is freaks me out. Uh like anything where it's like you don't have control of your own body and you're doing crazy things or the characters that you care about are doing things that they don't want to do. That stuff is Super scary to me. That's actually the reason why I think the original Exorcist, I don't think that's like the the scariest horror movie I've ever watched. But if we're going to talk about like classic horror movies that fit every definition of the word, for my money, you can't beat the Exorcist. And it's for that reason, Ron. It's that idea that like when when the thing that's hunting you is inside you or inside your child, like how can you run? How can you get away? And that like, even as someone who doesn't have religious beliefs, I still find the exorcist to be horrifically scary. Oh, and and something that people might not know as like a modern viewer of the shit or whatever, is that if you haven't seen it in a while, was what I mean. They take like an hour and some change. It Mm -hmm. seems like at least a solid 40, 50 minutes before anything really happens. But like that whole period, about an hour or so before the real, oh shit, she's crazy possessed. All of that stuff is to make, you know, number one, this chick is logical. She's not a psycho. She didn't go. She didn't say, oh, my kid's acting weird. It must be possessed. No, she went to all the doctors. She did everything she could to rationally deal with the problem. And that was found wanting. Then she goes to the priest and the priests are like, ah, I don't know about this, blah, blah. Then they see it's even more deep than they thought. And it just graduates and graduates. And last things last, uh, people have called it a drama. It is more a drama that turns into a horror movie than just, you know, a horror flick. I mean, it has the same sort of tone until she starts, you know, masturbating with a crucifix and, you know, saying all kinds of horrible shit. It's like up until those moments, it might as well be like ordinary people. 
Mm, um, exactly. You know, that drama movie about like the kid has depression because his brother died and his mother can't handle it. And like it won an Oscar if you're not familiar with it, but it is just a straight up family drama or even something like Kramer versus Kramer, where it's mm-hmm. like you milk all the conflict out of the fact that you're, you're in this family that can't quite settle their differences. That is the exorcist up until the moment when Satan possesses that girl <laughs> or mm-hmm. yeah. Pazuzu, I guess it is. <laughs> And just to, and not just to be like a dork and throw this in like way late. Sometimes I think I'll, I'll remember um, movies that really affected me super late after talking about like Jaws for eighty hours, which every old fat white man loves too. Just like me, I'm a fat white man inside. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, you know, I, I, when I was a little kid, my mom could literally put her thumb in the water of the bathtub and go duh duh, and I'd say stop, and she'd go duh 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 duh. I'm talking about I'm in the water, my butt is on the bottom. It didn't come in through the fucking faucet. There's no way. But and I'll find myself still in pools. One of Just my buddies is a screenwriter. Nightmares. Yeah, one of my buddies has is a screenwriter and has a big pool. And I was in it for like 30 minutes and didn't think about Jaws once. And then I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop in a pool. Jaws is not in the pool, but just the sensation of well, what if I was in the deep ocean? Then I start trying to tread water, seeing how long I could tread water. All this different shit that you're thinking about the ocean because fucking Jaws. But I just wanted to get to one that I personally just. It was a big deal for me, and I can't say that I was as scared of it because I've been scared of everything that's happening in it forever. So when I was looking at everybody else be scared and identify with the thing I've been scared about forever, it blew my mind, and that was Get Out. Going to see Get Out with a oh. real crowd, and like the black people were like having this knowing fear slash knowing uh, humor to it, and uh, the other people seemed to be like sort of appalled, and it was this co- conglomeration of all these sort of emotions around somebody who thinks they're superior to you taking over your body because they can use your resources better than you can, and it's a it's a metaphor for manifest destiny. It's it's all sorts of shit, but like just straight up the bodily autonomy of like I'm gonna take your your big body, and I you know it's 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 like Avatar but a horror movie. You know what mm. I mean. One hundred percent. Wow, that's a weird comparison, but it works completely. Well, um, and and adding yeah. in the fact that again, the lack of control because he's still in the fucking body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like adding in that there's, it's not like you're obliterated from the body and then that's it and you're dead. It's it because it, it, that would be a thing where it's like, well, that's almost like a blessing, right? But existing in your own body and seeing all the things that some psychopath who hates you also, by the way, and hates everybody like you most likely is doing with your body that I can't even, that's just, it's unfathomably, unfathomably scary. Yeah. So yeah, I agree that that really did freak me out when I was first watching it. Yeah. I, it's interesting because so often I find myself watching horror movies and being more impressed by like the cleverness or the inventiveness than I am <laughs> horrified, especially as an adult. And I feel like that was my experience with Get Out, where I was so aware of how well everything worked and how it was just weirdly subverting expectations at every moment and, and leaving you in this place of like, you really didn't know where this was going, or at least I didn't as a white guy. I think maybe a black audience would feel more of like, oh, I see what they're doing here. But like, That's one of the things that I think makes horror amazing is 
it is one of the few genres where even when you adhere to your, you know, beat sheets and and your 60 scenes up on your board divided up into act one, two, and three, it still gives you a lot of leeway to just play outside the lines and, and, and do things that, you know, nobody's ever put in a movie before. And I think Get Out's a perfect example of of a really interesting filmmaker doing that within the genre. Well, yeah, it's it is interesting how I I, I thought about something that's kind of scared me. So, what sort of stuff scares you, and what sort of movies are in things that scare you specifically? I mean, for me, I don't know why, but like dismemberment just oh. really, really. Maybe it's the body horror element. Maybe it's that mm. idea of like. How can you lose something more valuable than your hand or your legs? Um, and I start to think about there was a movie called The Bad Batch, which is more of like a weird post-apocalyptic kind of thriller black comedy thing. But it's all about like you, they take all the criminals and you never see the wider society. It's all just set in this wasteland that may be like South Texas but it's like this giant endless desert and they just throw criminals in there and these societies have been created. And one of them is a cannibal society that will capture you. And instead of killing you, will keep you alive to keep your tissue alive and just eat you bits at a time. So it's Whoa. like you, they cut off one arm and you're still just strapped down and you're, and they're feeding you or intravenously, I think maybe even feeding you. So that then when they're done with your arm, they could take a leg. And like that also then makes me think of the road and the whole cannibal seller in the road. Mm -hmm. And like that idea of just maybe it's more just that idea of like humans as livestock. It's the combination, right? It's like that that ultimate dehumanization. Um, and, a, and again, with, a lack of control. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really at the heart of a lot of horror. But yeah, for me, it's it, yeah, it's the dehumanization coupled with dismemberment, um, and that I mean that gets me even like Hotel Rwanda is a movie that I always come back to that was like such a harrowing experience for a lot of the same reasons like the dehumanization they're fucking cutting off noses and shit in there it's like ugh, I can't I can't do that shit. Yeah, the dehumanization angle that is interesting because some of the worst in horror and some of the worst meaning bad in horror like these uh torture porn joints kind of yep. do this sort of thing where they're trying to milk something like that but like uh even something as simple uh texas chainsaw massacre mm -hmm. and when i was a kid when i was a kid we used to watch that shit like faces of death and i understand faces of death in and of itself was like a couple snuff films and a bunch of reenactments slapped together the full rubes but when you're a kid you know what i'm saying you see stuff like that and it's shot so cinema verite as it were mm -hmm. that you just think of it as real or almost documentary and and nothing is like the shots aren't even strung together with this super cool elan they just seem to be matter of factly slapped together to make you see the horrors of what's going on you know what i'm saying that, that, that not a lot of slow zooms and a bunch of cutesy shit and it just it seems like a documentary crew caught some people who were getting fucked up by leatherface and I, it just really killed me. And the livestock thing, your meat yeah. to them, yeah. a whole family of them, all, all of those things just hit me right all in the fields. Bing, bing, bing. Well, and I, I think another angle on the dehumanization aspect is the fact that that family is so fucked up. And it's mm -hmm. like 
I, again, for me, something like Texas Chainsaw, something like The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. even like even like Deliverance, even like you know what actually creeped me out a lot was like the Gimp in Pulp Fiction. Oh yes. Yeah. Anytime you're you're taking a human being and sort of I don't know how else to say it, dehumanizing, take, taking away their identifiable characteristics as a human being, it's so unnerving to me. That makes a lot of sense. That's oh, now I'm getting creeped out, guys. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's Good. the that's how the cannibal the people Hills Have Eyes isn't my jam, but I read this book called Um The Off Season. And man, it was like, it's by Jack Ketchum. Just, I won't ruin too much of it for you, but basically it's based upon like those old legends of like that weird, I think they were Scottish people. I don't know. Correct me in the comments, but uh, there's this old, old timey family that just kept robbing and fucking each other and robbing and fucking each other until they were oh. these subhuman people who lived up in the hills. And they mm. would come down and, and like there were so many uh, unidentified murders and shit like that. And they and they found their lair and it was just shock a block with shit they'd taken from road travelers. Just like it was like Scrooge McDuck's fucking pal, uh, fucking uh, vault in there of stolen shit for people they'd killed. Yeah. Shit like that gets it was me desperado, like, but with real fucking people uh, from Dust Till Dawn. But yeah, Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but. I think this thing that's most scary about all that stuff is we've all met someone who you just felt was off. Whether that be in high school, whether that be at a bar and Mm -hmm. you just, and, and you just think to yourself for a second, that, that could be that dude. That guy could follow me home with a chainsaw. I'm asleep. Say bye to my (laughs) foot. So have you, have you ever met somebody who's killed somebody? Um, yeah, I punched a guy in the chest who well, I was in kid jail with. He murdered his parents. Oh, my God, dude. Bows and arrows. And then uh, uh, his mom wasn't quite dead, so he hit her with a sledgehammer. Uh, living the dream. Uh, that was kid jail when I was uh, – I didn't know either. He was just making fun of me, and I decided now was time to make the stand against a guy who probably outweighed me by 140 pounds. And I punched him, and he did not move. Uh, and then he just said – I respect that and let it go. And I was, and then some kid came up to me later. and was like, do you know who that guy was? And told me the story. And it was like, holy shit. And he just honestly seemed like an angry 18 year old. That's, that was it. He just did not seem like a psychopath. Uh, But I also was a kid. So I I might not have been able to recognize uh, the, you know, whatever (laughs) the emptiness in his eyes, whatever. (laughs) was probably there that I wouldn't, I would know now. No, man. Mm. So, so my story of meeting a murderer is I produced a show with a woman who was killed by her husband after the first season of the show. And I had met this guy and spent a bunch of time around him and their relationship did seem dysfunctional, but like, he just seemed like, he was he as a dude, he was like a former model who was now in his 50s and was like starting a vodka company or something. And he just seemed like one of these burned out bros that was like looking for a second act and just couldn't find one. And then one day we find out that he, you know, in the heat of an argument, he like stabbed her with a fucking kitchen knife. And 
to that your point, insane. no, but like to your point, Ron, I, there was definitely a vacancy behind that guy's eyes, but I just chalked it up to like, he's just a fucking himbo. Like yeah. he's just an idiot. I certainly did not think, oh, this is a guy who's sinking into being able to murder someone. It's, it's, it's unnerving when you realize like, they exist. Yeah. And it's not like they're leather fit. It's not like, you know, they're going to throw on a flesh mask and run a chainsaw and can't speak English. It's like sometimes they're just people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and that kind of, uh, I think that sort of thing is one of the only things that lets shit like this modern take on the Joker um, from the, from the movie uh take hold is the one bad day idea i believe started in the modern age by alan moore mm. um that that one bad day between a good guy and a bad guy one bad day between a good person and a bad person i think that is intriguing on a lot of levels um but like i think that's why i've never been scared of like I mean, obviously, I'm not an idiot. When I was a little kid and was able to be swayed by that, I was scared by Michael Myers and people like that. But once I got of like the age of almost reason, where you have kid logic, you start thinking of shit with kid logic. I was just like, okay, so Michael Myers is in Haddonfield, Illinois. He gonna jump in the car and drive all the way down here and kill my black ass? No fucking way. <laughs> yeah. So, and yes. and I'm not at no goddamn camp, Crystal Lake. That's fucking dumb. Why would I? I don't, I don't go to that type of camp. I stopped going to Boy Scout camp years ago. So yeah, I'm pretty straight. I'm not gonna die. You know, and, and then it it would take things like a pet cemetery where like there's a little mm. evil baby or like even I remember one time I watched Child's Play. Yes. Ooh. I watched Child's Play and I watched the whole movie and I'm sort of scared, whatever. When that chick, when the mom grabs Chucky and she's going to throw him in the fire if he doesn't move because she's like, I see you move. I know you're a weird little motherfucker. And his face contorts into that mask of evil. It's chilling me right now. Yeah. It's chilling me right the fuck now. It was so scary, dude. Yeah, agreed. I, I remember one of the things that we used to go up to Los Alamos to my, I guess now ex-step grandma, whatever, grandma, my grandma's house. And uh, we would, everybody got a room because she had a pretty big house. So I got my own room, which was like not in existence on my normal life. So at first, pretty excited about getting my own room. Only uh, this room was filled with, porcelain-faced dolls. And when I say filled, I mean like a hundred porcelain-faced dolls where the rest was like stuffed regular doll, but the face was... It was the worst. I... (laughs) And I... And you can't... You can't go to your grandma and be like, your fucking room scares the shit out of me. I cannot sleep here. Please just put me on the couch. Do anything. I'll sleep next to the fire. Don't put me in that room. I got that room every year. Oh, uh, dude, and what is the thing with with the dolls thing? I've never even um, tried to understand why I hate it. But I I even saw that goofy Annabelle movie. And just real quick rant here. I finally saw Annabelle. I guess the first Annabelle movie. Man, fuck that movie, dog. <laughs> they have, and I'm going to spoil it. Fuck that movie. Okay, first of all, there's a chick. She kills herself. Her blood goes into the doll's eye and makes her be part of the doll or at least whatever. But the doll never moves. I think they commit to it. The doll never moves or does anything evil. It just like attracts demons and shit, which mm. is psh, fail. Sorry. If I don't see the little thing running around in the back screen of a shot, what are we doing? 
What, what are we doing? I, I need to see that thing tottering down the hallway towards me. That That's the scary part, you dumb fucks. Anyway, so that, uh, the fact that the movie made a bunch of money pisses me off. And at the end, dude, I'm sorry, dude. Being, sometimes being black is exhausting and watching stuff because they had goddamn Alfre Woodard. Alfre Woodard is like top 17 actress alive right now. And amongst the black ones, I don't know what, what her number is, but she's just a, she's a, a maven. She's a wonderful Marvel. She's in this fucking movie in this thankless, goofy role as a lady who owns an occult bookstore. And she's the first one who starts basically trying to school the white lady who's cursed about the fucking doll she's carrying around or whatever. And long story boring. The, the demon wants a soul and it's not leaving unless it gets a soul and it could take this lady's baby. It could take this white lady. It could take anybody's soul, but it needs to take somebody's soul. And some story machinations, maybe the black lady had some kind of original sin back in the day she was uh, making up for. She grabs this goddamn Annabelle doll and leaps her black ass out the window, martyring herself to save this white couple. I wanted to throw my TV into the pool. I'm fucking going crazy. I'm going crazy looking at this fucking shit. I'm like, what the fuck? Magical. It's a magical sacrificial <laughs> Negro. What kind of combination <laughs> place? It's the legend of Bagger Vance as a horror movie. Ending. What the fuck? Seriously. <laughs> Here's your clubs for defeating evil. You know, oh just, what the fuck, man? Oh, the fact that we're getting less and less of that shit as we go into the future is cool. I'm just saying that's quite a modern movie to have something like that in it. And I hope that's the true. paycheck was good. Alfre. God damn. That she didn't jump out the window and say hole in one <laughs> dude and then and then and then of course because there's more annabelle movies the lady's dead and she's holding the doll and hopefully she's killed the evil the doll wasn't there by the time they got down and saw the black lady dead so like My it didn't even God. it didn't even stop the evil or whatever oh, nice. it's like good what good the yeah fuck? it's not even a good anyway, martyrdom sorry about Yo, that rant but jesus christ no one thing i want to mention about the dolls do you remember in the original toy story when that fucking doll spider came out that Sid oh, yeah. the bully made. Oh. Yeah. That was legitimately horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it speaks to the the thing about dolls is it's a combo, right? It's taking something innocent and making it demonic. Like usually a doll is a baby or a child. It's like the same yeah. reason the exorcist is so disturbing. But then on top of that, you also get that uncanny valley part of it yes. where it's like you know this is a simulacrum of a human it's not actually a human and mm -hmm. so it consciously or subconsciously it just raises all those questions in your brain of like what's actually inside of that thing how could you kill it why does it live how does it live like oh mm -hmm. yeah, and, scary shit. and one thing i want to say about chucky before we move off dolls fucking Chucky is uniquely scary because we come from the generation that saw my buddy dolls and cabbage mm -hmm. patches and shit like that. So there's this ubiquitous sort of, I don't know, two feet, three feet sort of thing that's around. And also the fact that it could be anywhere. I remember after I saw Chucky for the first time and it blew me away how fucking scary it was. And, and, and I went to go to sleep and in my house, I could sleep in my bedroom or I could sleep in this couch on our end sealed porch. We had a porch. And I slept on the couch on the in-sealed porch or whatever. Mm. And bro, I couldn't sleep all night because I was in my bed. I was kind of high up. But on the couch, I was low enough for mm. if Chucky came around, his face would be right at my face level. And I Dude. just imagined that in a hundred different scenarios all fucking night. Yes. Oh, it was so scary. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I and then now I get to move into one of the ones that scares me the most. And I think this is also part of why Chucky's scary, by the way, mm -hmm. is because it could be your buddy who's a person, a friend, a little young 
scary ass kid. Because I don't like <laughs> scary ass kids. I don't fucking like when a kid is scary. I don't want it. I mean, the that ring, goes back to The Shining. The Shining, the red rum kid. Red, red, red rum. Even when I saw it later as I was older, I was like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, I've never, I don't know. I mean, I only ones that I was really creeped out by for real, I guess a little bit, the, 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 not the grudge, because I did, I just didn't get that. But that one um, with the chick in the well, the ring. The yeah, ring. The yeah, ring. a girl in the well. Okay, a girl, nope. teen, whatever in the well. That's fucking creepy. And uh, I think maybe, uh, remember when they would go, one, two, Freddy's coming for you, and those little girls would be skipping rope. That yes. shit was creepy, dude. That was a really yes. interesting, scary image. That's a beautiful image for the mind of Wes Craven and whoever helped with the screenplay or whatever. Yep. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Supernatural, I know they're not technically scary, but the few ones where they were scary almost always involved kids. Where mm. kids were doing creepy ass shit. Um, mm. No, please. I know I don't have much more to say than that. I don't know why they scare me so much. Actually, I do know why. It's because if you've ever hung out with kids, they're usually just adorable doing goofy shit. You're like, they're just like, you know, they play, they say goofy things. But every once in a while, a kid's going to say some shit like, oh, oh, I'm scared of the man in the well. He told me I should be in charge of you. You're like, what? (laughs) What did you just fucking say to me? Psycho? Yep, yep, yep. And if that can come true. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the main things about like, and uh, Stephen King maybe overused it. Hey, he's sitting in a house. I'm sitting in an apartment. Who's overusing what? Maybe I'm overusing yeah. criticism. But uh, the, th- <laughs> the thing about like uh, the little kid who knows so much about the magical ethereal world so that when the, but there's, stupid and young so the way and magical minded so how they're telling you what you need to do to defeat the evil takes 400 pages for you to parse it out because they're a dumb dumb little kid who has all this mystical information it's like when newt is like they mostly come out bitch i need specs i need specs (laughs) of the rooms i need how long what is the reaction time you know what i'm saying she's like how many years away are they (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) that's what i'm saying like little kids they're like they could tell you some super serious shit to help save your life, but there's such insaniacs that you might not get the information in time to save yourself. You know what I mean? And their their vision of the world, their vision of how things work. When I watch little, when I watch movies where little kids just kind of trundle into a danger zone and turn the right switch to help the grown ups, I'm just like, I'm a grown ass person. I would never do that that they're doing, but they're a little kid. They think they're in an adventure and they can't die. You know what I'm saying? So like that mentality extended to. Oh yeah, I'll make friends with somebody in the closet. You see, like a little girl run up to like a coral snake and just grab it by the neck and be like, "Look what I got!" Yeah, they have no fear, and that's what makes me scared of them, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So in that realm, how did you guys feel about Sixth Sense as a as a, a movie that's supposed to be scary? I was gonna bring that up. So one of the things that scares the shit out of me about the Sixth Sense, and the, Ed was kind of speaking to this as well is the idea of a little kid standing with you in an empty room and being like, he's looking at you. Oh, God, no. I just got shiveries. I hate you. Exactly. (laughs) But like, to me, the scariest part of The Sixth Sense, and, and this is something that I don't, is maybe worth us talking about more because that idea 
that like there's something here and it's watching you, but mm-hmm. you don't know it. It's like the minute you see Misha Barton, you know, the face of the of the little dead girl who's vomiting bile or whatever in the tent, it almost gets less scary to me. It's like mm-hmm. more scary when it's just there's this weird little kid and he's constantly telling me about these horrible things that are happening that I can't see. And it's that idea. Like I think about that. All right. If you're alone in a room and the rocking chair starts rocking, it's inherently scary. But like, why is, mm. is the ghost that's rocking the rocking chair also going to kill you? Like, I, why is that so scary? Well, I mean, mm. because, OK, I, I can I can kind of answer that because of my my atheist brain, uh, because the second you say a rocking chair is moving, what else exists? Because the second you have to admit that a ghost exists, everything exists. Demons exist. Great, you know what? That's a great point. Mm. That's a really great point. It, it, it essentially pulls out all of the logical framework about the world. And now it's like you're standing on nothing. Yeah. Mm. That's exactly what it is. Because then if, if powers exist or whatever exists, mm. like that's, you could easily convince me. That something else that there might be a god if you ever one time truly pull off some magic in front of my fucking eyes. <laughs> I will, and I don't mean a good trick. I mean real ass magic. Uh, it will be hard for me to not deny that anything else can exist at that point. That's a long way to go to say David Blaine could fuck you. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> a long way to go. You ever seen that clip where he uh, produces the card inside an orange in Harrison Ford's kitchen? Holy yeah. shit. Dude. Dude, Harrison Ford wanted him to get out of his house because he was about to fuck, fuck him. Out of my yeah. house. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you ever been fucked by Han Solo? Get out of my house. Yeah. Dude, no, but I, there is something interesting to that, Ron, because I think even people with religious convictions and supernatural beliefs still they operate. They well, But no, but they still operate in the real world. Yeah. And like, you just even if you believe that God is everywhere, you also know that even in a world where God is everywhere, rocking chairs don't just start rocking themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that feeling of like, what the fuck is happening? It's the, it's again, Ron, it's your lack of control, right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. you you suddenly lose purchase on how the world even works. Well, paranormal, uh, when I watch paranormal. The way that built... Oh, Paranormal Activity. Yeah, Paranormal Activity. The way that built, where it was a small thing, and then a small thing, and then a little bit bigger, and then a little bit bigger, and then each time, it got scarier and scarier, because it built this really, like... It built the belief that this could be happening right now. Oh, yeah. And, And that was... That's really scary, when you start thinking about, like those small things happening and happening and happening and then builds into this crescendo. I, I, I love when they, and that kind of comes with what Ed said, by the way, earlier about caring, like creating characters that you care about. And then that creates suspense each time some small thing ex- escalates. So, well, yeah. And we just, we just finished talking about like certain paranormal aspects and I'm, I'm finding myself, I'm in the middle of trying to finish a horror movie myself and I, me and Bill got one cooking, I think. And that one seems so much more exciting to me because it has a paranormal ed- element. The one I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do all science, and I'm telling you, science isn't scary. 
Science is not scary. And it's well, I just thought of that thought while you guys were talking because it's like totally true that very few times can you – science fiction movies that are scary, those are my favorite movies because it's hard to make sci-fi actually scary to me. This And like even when they do it, there's always some element of the unknown or some yes. – like the aliens and alien are, are like low-key mystical until they start doing all this Prometheus bullshit. Yeah. They were like low key mystical. Like, where the fuck do they come from? What kind of organism would have to have acid for blood? What environment creates these sort of things? What does it want besides to procreate? We don't know. It doesn't have some agenda. It doesn't give us some a speech. You know what I'm saying? And that makes it scary. There's a mystery to it. But like most movies are, you know, one day a bunch of crows pecked out this little kid's eyes, and now. He's in the woods and he's half crow and half kid and he swoops down and bites people. It's like, what the fuck? That doesn't even make any fucking sense. But tell that to a bunch of kids with a fucking flashlight under your mouth and they're they're agog because it makes no fucking sense. It needs a bunch of faith and a bunch of bullshit to support it. But there's something about that amorphous bullshit. Like, the, you know what I mean? There's something about the amorphous nature of most horror monsters that it doesn't give you enough purchase to to not be scared of it. It doesn't give you enough enough of it for you to be like, oh, well, this is easily just proven by that. As long as they keep it amorphous, it's even more scary. Yeah. Um, at the same time, like, you know, things that are scary have changed so much. Like Frankenstein used to be uh, scare the shit out of people because they were scared of science because that's what they thought science could create was a, 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 some crazy life from lightning storm sewing people's bodies back together, even though that's just as might as well be magic. But we now know that's magic back in the day. They don't fucking know. They like, they couldn't figure out how to not die from colds. Well, mm-hmm. in, the, in that one, I think a lot of that is the, ch- the cheating of death and the fact that even in death, you might not get any rest. Yeah. I think that's like one of the, the key mystical ingredients of, of Frankenstein, even as a science fiction uh, product is, you wait a minute. You telling me my arm might be grabbing chicks and throwing them in a fucking lake after I'm dead? What the fuck? I have no autonomy after death. You know that guy, whatever his brain is. You know what I'm saying? That guy. Yep. What if he starts getting memories of him being Frederick von Wasserstein, who had the best weenie stand, and now he's got this big square head and bolts coming out of its neck? That's funny that they never do that part. Like Just the fact that his brain making hot dogs. But like, what's it? What's his brain? Yeah, <laughs> out of people, he's like squirreling, not worst out of people, just making human centipedes out of villagers and shit. Oh God, human centipede! That's a whole other area oh, to go down. That's too gross for me. I didn't even watch that. I, I think that can, that's an early response to our older generation's fear of eating ass. That's what will be sprung full force because of that. It's a it's a wet dream for coprophiliacs. Like, oh. Yes. Um, No, I mean, I think both Human Centipede and Frankenstein speak to the dehumanization I was talking about earlier. Right. Mm, And and I almost feel like, oh, quick aside, a Simpsons episode did do what you're talking about, Ed, where Mr. Burns harvests dead Homer's brain to put inside his monster. And then his monster turns into a lazy piece of shit, which, you know. Classic. But, Classic. Simpsons did it first. <laughs> yeah, always. But um, that idea that like reanimating tissue, I think not only is it is it the dehumanization of like, yeah, my arm could be murdering people because it's not really me. It's just my arm. But it, it's also there's something profoundly irreligious about it. 
And mm. especially at a time when, you know, most of American society are just good kind of parochial Christians. The idea that like, no, you're just a lump of meat and like your soul doesn't have anything to do with it. We could take your meat body and just run some electricity through it and make you do whatever the fuck we want. Seems like the height of being demonic in sort yeah. of a pre-enlightened time. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Um, and, uh, uh, again, I don't know. I, the, one of the scariest books I ever read was this book called Lasher and, uh, by Anne Rice. And the basic thing was the person would, this being would take over your body and make it do things that you didn't want to do, which was interesting because you guys saw, um, uh, Jennifer, what's the. Jennifer Jones oh, or Jessica Jones, Je rather. Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones. Mm -hmm. I actually thought that dude was scary. Oh yeah. I, oh yeah. I, I, that they made that carrier, that character, one of the most scary characters I'd, I'd ever seen in like an action based TV show. Honestly, it's the best villain Marvel's ever produced bar none. I and agree. yeah, that that's, it's a big one because he could, he, he, and plus, and this goes back to something I've said in our comic book podcast, but your villain isn't your villain can't just be scary to other people and you're the brave person who's willing to fight them. Your villain must be scary to you, yeah. which is why I never buy certain bat eared people fighting certain clown people because there is <laughs> you can't. I'm not scared of you. I beat your ass a hundred fucking times. How can I be scared of you? You have to be scared of, you have to be like, when you're at your apex, when you woke up, ate your Wheaties, lifted your weights, you got a steak in your belly and you got your, both your fists gnarled up and you see that guy, you go, fuck, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's what a super villain is. That's what a villain is. You know what I'm saying? So like, I love that. Yeah. I mean, look, now that we're, since you're talking about it, it just made me think, I guess you could put over Batman a lot better if you just had him actually facing super-powered beings who maybe didn't even want to kill him. Like, maybe they just want to control him or push him around or, you know what I mean? Like, and he can't beat him. He keeps trying. He's yeah. by himself. I, I actually, like, would mm. enjoy reading a comic like that. Well, a story where somebody takes over Batman and he's, like, waking up and, like, the Justice League is after him and he doesn't know what he did. You know, it's like, wait a minute. What the fuck do you guys want? It's like, you, you killed Diana, like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and yeah. we're just like, yeah, you, you've used somebody's used you and your resources to fuck up shit only you could fuck up, which is like just another graduation of Mark Wade's uh, Tower of Babel story. But still, the, that that graduation of events is great. But you know who that makes me think of is the Justice League villain, Doctor Destiny, who essentially just mm. looks like um, Death. You know, he's got a hood and a skull face and all this shit. But he's the character who also was used in Sandman, both the comic and the Netflix mm -hmm. adaptation. Um, John D., uh, who was played by David Thewlis in the Netflix adaptation. And that whole sequence in the diner where he goes into the diner and just makes all these people live their worst nightmares and they start fucking murdering each other. Oh, and like so crazy. Yeah, that is kind of the I mean, that's in the same vein as everything we're talking about. I, no. here's here's my own, here's my only one counterpoint because I even think about in Batman the animated series one of the great kind of creepy episodes is the one where Scarecrow has trapped Batman in a dream it's very similar to for the man who has everything with Superman being trapped in like a dream world but um 
the Batman one is called Perchance to Dream. And Batman's first inclination that something isn't right is that he looks at the newspaper and it's all gibberish. And then all these people around him start acting in these weird ways. And then he starts being haunted by visions of like monstrous bats. And like the whole episode is essentially just him coming to realize that he lives in a dream world and he realizes he has to kill himself in order to wake up. And so he literally throws himself off of, off a tower and like, that's the fucking cartoon. Um, dude, that's wild. It's (laughs) it's crazy. Sometimes the stuff that they had in those, those cartoons back in our younger days, is like, they did what that Batman kill himself in a dream. Well, yeah, it's it's almost like they trusted the populace not to be uh, fucking mongoloids who just do everything they see on a TV. Maybe it's like they could appreciate art or something. Insane. Insane Wild for shit. such primitive people that, that didn't even have a touchscreen in front of their face when they're three fucking years old. Wow. These these primitives, they, they really had a grasp on art, huh? Fuck. <laughs> but here's my larger point is when Batman does wake up, it's just the scarecrow who's like 130 pounds soaking wet and Batman could just punch him in the face and be done with it. And I sort of feel the same way about Thaddeus Kilgrave is like, he's just a bitch. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, there's something so much scarier when it is an alien or a demon or something that like, even if you totally understand what's going on, you don't understand what that thing wants or why, or how far it'll go to get it. Or, or I'll do you one better. What if you do know exactly how to neutralize it, but it's the worst fucking choice you'll ever make in your life, and it's sure. going to haunt you forever, just like that thing. And that a movie I'm I'm going to bring up that does that is It Follows. To me, mm. It Follows is sort of a modern classic. I personally love it. It ha- it's uh, the story is like basically this chick, basically a a monster that is um that is contracted like a sexual disease. So if you have sex with somebody, then it will follow them. And if it ever catches you, it'll bend your body up like goddamn, you know, (laughs) like a bunch of Twizzlers and like an inhuman, like an organism with two hands and even super strength couldn't bend you up the way that this thing bends you up. And so this thing that's just, and it could take the form of like your grandma. It could take the form of like your old teacher that you liked or whatever. And it's constantly walking towards you. And when you look on the horizon, you see people walking towards you. You have to think is one of those, the monster, how close can I let anybody get to me? It's, it's a crazy fucked up scenario and it's a fucking crazy good movie to me, man. And nobody else can see it, but you. So yes, that one's good. Caveat. That, that one's a huge blend of like, the thing that's there and no one knows it's there, the mm-hmm. body horror of how it kills you, mm-hmm. the relentlessness of like, you, there's no way to escape this thing mm-hmm. other than for you to essentially pass it on to enough people that it it won't ever make its way back to you. And even if you think that it just may still, if it kills all those other people like mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's a great combination of things that are very horrific. And a combination of like all of our fears, those fears that you talked about, and the sexual uh, STD fear. All you know, it's a very plain metaphor for STD fear, but also the fear of the culture of like the type of person who might. Uh, back in the yeah. days, this might be politically incorrect, but there used to be this myth of people who were so-called bug chasers, who were like just kind of trying to get the worst sexual diseases and to pass them on because they were like ultimate nihilists or something. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and this yeah. kind of. 
dramatizes that thing, but like kind of puts those people in a place of like, I had to do it. They're like, wait, growing heat, baby. I had to get it on. I had to fuck 17 chicks in my high school because a monster was going to twist me up like goddamn Linguini. Like, there ain't no way, you know, for me to get around this. That I love things that are talking about modern fears, but just on a primal level, I just got to confess one of my most primal fears. Just anything with stabbing, like mm-hmm. convincingly depicted stabbing will always get me. And That's great. It, it's, it's it, yeah, Scream's pretty good. I'm thinking of like there was a Chuck Norris movie where uh, somebody got stabbed, and I think about it all the time. I think it's like Force of One or Major Major Ass Kickery. So one of those just regular Chuck Norris bullshit movies, but somebody gets grabbed and held, and somebody else stabs them repeatedly, and 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 they and they do that. There's this movie called One False Move where this guy stabs somebody, and that sort of jugging up motion where they've got it in Ooh. you, and they just keep pushing it, pushing it farther in there, trying to get to your organs, a twist and shit like that. Dude, fuck anything mm. with that in it, I cannot stand. I'm freaking myself out right now. Sorry. Here's a, here's a great here's a great coalition of of all of our best talking points. You know, one of the most disturbing stabbing scenes I've ever seen was in fucking Batman vs. Superman, the ultimate edition with the prison yard stabbing where <laughs> yeah. you you like follow the shank as the guys pass it off to the one guy and he just goes up to the dude and it's not overly dramatic, but he's just like just like rapid fires him right in the gut and then just walks away. And that idea that like, it's not only horrific from the body horror standpoint of what that must feel like and what a horrible way that is to die is like your stomach acid leaches out into your fucking torso, but also that idea that like death could find you at any time and happen like that. Yeah. That's, that's fucking horrifying too. Yeah. Human fragility. It's, it's not, it's not fun to think about. Oh, and here's here's one. Uh, it's not one of my favorite horrors, but as a horror concept, it's literally S tier horror concept. Mm. Final destination, baby. Mm. A- every time I'm on the fucking highway and I'm behind that truck full of logs, the logs. Or that truck full of scythes or whatever that you know you behind Hell, a even truck a full ladder, of, yeah. all that bullshit, ladders, surfboards these kayak fucks and their Subarus, uh, all these weirdos with all this extracurricular shit all over their car. All I think about is that shit coming off and coming through the windshield to kill them. That's all I think about the whole time. Yeah, no. And, and it is funny. Final destination in a lot of ways is the Ur horror movie because it just turns death into the monster. And and it's, it's almost like, it makes probability scary. You know, in any other scenario, this is totally improbable shit, but like probability is the monster. So it just, it shows you that like you could die at any moment for any reason and have no control over it. And like, it'll be horrible and painful and there's nothing you could do about it. And like, conceptually even if the movies are kind of rube goldberg funny conceptually (laughs) like that is horrific yeah i i gotta ask you guys a question because i think i find this fascinating you guys super hate magic both of you uh officially dislike Mm -hmm. magic yeah however (laughs) mm -hmm. not in horror dude that's that's why it's so fucking weird for me dude that's why it's so weird for me specifically 
because of the fact that like to me that is where magic works because like i said before or if, you, if, maybe? You, if you identify too many of if you if you draw the villain too well you know with too many facts and figures and stuff in a horror movie it loses if you knew that chucky specs were oh he's about as fast as a toddler and um if you if you kind of keep a trot about this miles an hour and if you impacted him with about this amount of force he would just die because he like has all the physical abilities of a toddler then he wouldn't be scary but chucky could flip over a volkswagen chucky pop out a fucking bowl of cereal chucky could do anything because he's magic you know and that's just a stupid example there's a billion better ones well i'll i'll jump on that and say to me there's a reason why the explanation behind the curse is always the third act reveal in a horror mm-hmm. movie because mm-hmm. once you know how the magic works, it ceases to be scary. Like once I know that Chucky and I, I, I don't know that it actually worked this way. Um, I don't remember when you found this out. This It may have opened this way. But once you find out that Chucky is a serial killer trapped in a doll through some, you know, big ass like the movie big, just some random ass movie magic. I don't fucking care. You know, like it it makes Chucky less scary to me, but what, and and the same thing, Ed, you mentioned with the uh, xenomorphs and alien, like when those things were just the ultimate representation of like the unknown lands, the thing beyond your comprehension, the Lovecraftian type of horror, they're scary. The minute they become like, oh, these are like the attack dogs that were bred by these statue looking fuckers that, you know, Petri dished humans into existence. And now it's just like, OK, I, I'm so sick of xenomorphs. So I, I, I would quibble with the idea that we that at least I like magic in a horror movie. I like the unexplainable in a horror movie, because mm-hmm. to me being unexplainable is sort of the apotheosis of horror. You could call that magic if you want, but the minute you put a system of rules and regulations on top of it, that's where you start to lose. me. Well, and that's why in the end, when everybody learns the rules, we got to wrap this motherfucker up. Like, Oh, you found out that Candyman, you got to, I don't know, throw some salt on him and then, and then kick a verse from rapper's delight or whatever. And he'll go away. All right, well let's set up the stereo equipment and uh, (laughs) siphon some power for the city and reenact the first hip hop. Cause you know what I'm saying? Like whatever the fuck bullshit Rube Goldberg will kill him. They always put that at the end and they, they use a bunch of fast shots or a bunch of whatever they, you know, they speed it up like, ah, never mind the man behind the curtain. Cause this is absolute bullshit. I don't know why this is the way we have to end this, but we got to bye. you know, right. everything starts yeah. to get really fast at the end of those mysticism ones. I saw a movie cobweb when they reveal what the creature is or if it even is a creature. Cause half of it could be, it could be a ghost. It could mm-hmm. be a blah, blah, blah. But at the end, when you realize that it's sort of a creature or maybe it's not, uh, you're just like, man we shouldn't spend too much time here and they don't they don't spend too much time there and and even when you see whatever it is it's creepy whatever they show of it what it is it's pretty creepy and stuff so uh it's 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 hard to know what ratios to use like some people like and i I think to your earlier chucky comment i think they do that at the beginning that's one of those weird movies where yeah. like, he's just getting chased and then they shoot him and then he bleeds into the fucking stuff. But even then, it's like, I think that one works because when this kid gets this doll, you know, we as an audience know that there's a killer inside this doll and nobody knows. So it plays in a Hitchcockian sense mm. where he would give you all the information and let you sit in the suspense of it. 
Right. You know there's a bomb under the table even though the characters don't. Exactly. And your superiority is what makes the tension in the scene. You don't have to see them sweating it because you're sweating it. Your omniscience is used against you. That That and, is kind of interesting. Yeah. And that's also interesting because I think that might be one of the defining lines between like thriller and horror, um, mm-hmm. which is sort of a messy distinction. But but yeah, I don't know. To me, like horror has a lot to do with being beyond your comprehension in some way. Okay. Okay. And, and honestly, you know what? This is about the furthest thing from magic you can go, or maybe it's not. One of the scariest movies I've ever seen that hasn't come up yet is fucking Requiem for a Dream. Mm. And part of that is, at least for me, like being in the deepest throes of addiction where you're willing to dehumanize yourself in order to get another high is so far from my comprehension that like watching it happen and knowing that it is real, it it makes my skin fucking crawl. Like I was, Mm -hmm. I was creeped out. I was watching that fucking Michael Keaton Purdue pharma series on Hulu, like about the opioid crisis and watching that girl who was great in book smart as Beanie Feldstein's uh, Catherine Deaver, Caitlin, De- Ka- Caitlin Deaver, Caitlin Deaver plays like a West Virginia coal miner's daughter who starts working in the mine with her dad, gets injured, gets prescribed opioids. And then you just watch her devolve into a heroin addict. Like I almost can't watch that shit. It's just, it, 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 it it says something so dark and depressing about humanity that like, I, I, I hate wrestling with the reality of it. Mm. Yeah. That's why, I mean, all those cannibal family things are creepy too. Cause it's like yeah. cannibal family or like, even like the strangers. Uh, I know things like the strangers are kind of based loosely on sort of, Hey, somebody, some people, some kids got a wild hair up their ass to go do something and mutilate a bunch of people. The shit got out of hand. And now maybe they're your bank teller or maybe they're just they, maybe that was the one night they got wild and shit just got out of hand and they killed a the whole family. And now they're just at, they're back here with us or, you know, or, or like th- anything where it's like, I'll tell you, a knock on the door to this day freaks me out because mm-hmm. I, you know, what I'm saying I don't I get we get deliveries and stuff. But I always tell these motherfuckers, look, man. Roll up here and drop that shit. Don't be knocking on doors out of nowhere. I just don't like that shit. Because like, <laughs> like the infinite possibility of what's behind the door. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. I don't I don't really feel that shit. And uh in the strangers, it starts with a knock on the door in the middle of the night and somebody asking for somebody that they know isn't there. Like, hey, hello, is Cheryl there? Like, no, there's no Cheryl here. Are you sure? That- Chills. Jesus. Yeah, no, that's a scared the Chills. shit out of me too. That just scared me to death. Are yeah. you sure? Oh my god, dude! I was walking late at night um, after a comedy show. I was walking at not necessarily great um, area, and I'm walking, and I'm already kind of creeped out. I got my hands in my pockets, or the hands out of my pockets, ready, ready to rock. Got my Wolverine claws, like a fucking lady self defense class, uh, with my keys. And out of the darkness, somebody says, "You okay?" Oh. Like that. And I'm like, that was so much scarier than give me your wallet. I'll fuck you up. I'm a monster. You okay? Said like that out of absolute pitch darkness. Especially since me out. Especially since you're not doing anything but walking. Dude. So what the fuck oh. do you mean? Am I okay? Oh. <laughs> oh. 
the, the type of shit that's scary. It's wild, dude. Yeah, that's 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 real scary shit right there. Oh man. So we've kind of canvassed the the scope of our fears. I guess I'm just curious on a really visceral level. What are like the images that stick with you guys? Like the things that live rent free in your brain where it's just like, God damn, like I won't do that. I won't go there. I, it makes me scared to do X, Y, Z. And I guess for me, I can start with like one of the things that has scarred me for life. And I think I first saw it on a commercial when I was a kid on TV is the scene from the original Halloween where Michael Myers fucking has her trapped in the closet and he's just viciously ripping the fucking hangers out of the way and she's cowering in the corner and he's just got her dead to rights and he's about to stab the shit out of her to Ed's deal. But just that image shot from like a child's point of view of being in a closet and looking out and this horrible man with this emotionless face just ripping everything out of it so he can murder you. Like that made me afraid of my closet. I still don't like open closet doors like to this day. Mm. Yeah, that's a big one. I think um, for, for me that, that, um, that poltergeist clown sitting on the chair. Oh, I don't even oh. fuck with poltergeist like that. I don't even fuck with ghosts like that, but there's something about a ghost or a poltergeist or whatever using things that are that that are around you it couldn't it could be something that's not as scary as a doll but anything a little teddy bear a book whatever it using the things that are familiar to you against you and giving it eldritch power to fuck you up oh there's something very scary about that that's that is an iconic one this is a hard one because there's not a ton that just real life scares me i know that sounds crazy but when I really think about what would actually scare me is being truly alone when it's dark, 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 like you don't have a light source dark and there's no real sound. And then you hear a voice. <laughs> no, no. Okay. That's the weird right. part. Just the silence of nothing existing around me. The idea of that, when I think about that, and I don't know where I am, I don't know how to get out of the situation, and I don't know, the car broke down. What I don't even know what the why. Uh, it I'm out like in the you're woods. You're kind of scared of the ocean, like I mean, because like honestly, in the oh, mid, that's the only way that that would like literally happen. There's nobody around to tell you anything or or say anything to you. And it's dark as fuck because there's no lights out there, and there's a, the only sound maybe the lapping of waves and splashing to your right. Uh, how Ish. many meters you don't know? Is yes. it a shark or a school of fish? You don't know. Like that yeah. that has stuck with sound- me as like the loneliest place on earth. Like even the forest doesn't feel as lonely as being miles and miles from shore. Like you can't see shore, right? I can't see shore. It's over for Rover. I've been on cruises and shit. I don't look out there. (laughs) That has no solace for me at all. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If it's nighttime, especially, I don't know. There's something about it. Mm -mm. Daytime. I could look at the ocean and go, okay, cool. But nighttime at the ocean, it just doesn't feel okay. It doesn't yeah. feel ever safe. So I think that's one of the things. Because I've just been in too many crazy-ass scenarios. I've, I, 
to be scared of some regular ass shit, but like, but also being, being in the ocean, like the open ocean, when you can't see land at any time, just feels like death. It just feels like you're going to, yeah, it's the closest thing you could do to being like, okay, I am dead. And it's only a matter of time. Cause even the desert, you could fantasize that somebody's going to come through, you know, some dune buggy guys or something. But you hit an on, oasis, you yeah, know, yeah. something. Some bullshit, but like... But ocean? Uh, no, there's nothing. Yeah. Well, as far, and as far as like true fear, uh, one image that has stuck in my head is the leg bouncing off the bottom of the ocean in Jaws. When Jaws comes oh. by and shears off that guy's leg when he's in, he's in the Martha's Vineyard pond or whatever, and the, the fucking thing comes and shears his leg off. And did, like, I don't know, beautiful effects um i think by uh joe alvis i think uh did the effects on there and just boing the lead comes out it's got meat on it and it's been sheared clean and it just boings off the with with the heft of something real these days they do it with some cgi leg uh, this yeah. beautiful prosthetic cgi leg that has hair on it it's a guy's fucking leg you know what i mean it's it's every in every way it's a guy's leg and it just bounces and it's like the collateral damage of the shark. It's like, it didn't even kill you, but it fucked you up so bad that now you don't have a leg. And, and there's so much more blood in the water now because you don't have a leg. It's just like, and, and last things last. Dude. Yeah. And, and open water. I got to say open water. I don't even find that to be some horror classic or anything, but when I think about it, I know I ain't watched that motherfucker more than once. I watched yeah. that motherfucker one good time. And I was like, I am good. And I don't think it's because it was such a bad movie. I think it's because it affected me so much. The nihilism of the fact that you could be here today and just get miscounted yeah. and not be able to get back up with your group. The fact that things like going on a little scuba diving with some buddies on some bullshit vacation could end up getting you in such a dangerous situation. The last things last, the death by a thousand cuts of real shark attacks, the stuff that they were talking about in the Indianapolis speech and Jaws. It isn't, oh, somebody comes by and chops all your legs off and chops your arms off and eats your whole body. You get bit. Three hours later, you get bit again. Five hours later, you're bleeding out and it comes and it almost gets your head, but it gets your arm. And your buddies are experiencing similar nips and nips and shit all over for for hours. You're death by a thousand cuts by these creatures that are brave enough to bite the shit out of you, but not brave enough to stick around and see their handiwork because they're yeah. wearing you down with their their predatory instincts are to get in, don't take any damage, get away. That slithery personality, those little fishy fucks. It's just brutal. It's really creepy. Well, yeah. I'll jump. I'll jump in with another uh, horrific image that stayed with me. That's a little bit lighter than that. Um, <laughs> Ghostbusters two, when the kid is in the bathtub and the ooze starts coming out of the faucet. Oh yeah, dude! Yeah. In a movie that really doesn't. I mean, actually, Beagle the Carpathian. When I was a kid, the idea that like that painting is looking at me and it's alive, <laughs> also really creepy. But the fucking, like, demonizing the bathtub, which is a place where, number one, you're out of your element, you're in water, you're not in open ocean, but you are in water, and so there's a little inherent danger anyway, but normally that's supposed to be a place of, like, comfort and and pure privacy, and the idea that something is going to come for you and use all that against you in that space, especially as a kid when you're still taking baths, like, that'll fuck you up. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, now that I think about it, I think real life, if you real life, um, 
wildlife actually is pretty scary. Mm. If you like really a think about jaguar? It, a hunger jaguar, a, a, a bear that you accidentally are near its cubs, uh, any, any other thing where they'll actually attack you, that is scary because you just are going to die. Well, then and, I'll say honorable mention the edge. The Edge with Eddie Hopkins oh, wow. and, and Alec Baldwin. There's Bart the Bear's in there. Bart the Bear was an acting motherfucker for a bear. He could roar on demand and just they're all terrain deadly. They can climb trees. They run 65 miles an hour short bursts. They're in in infatigable, it seems like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. Wildlife's yeah. crazy, dude. I will say I want to I do want to also bring up a couple of things just to talk about like how important imagery is in horror hmm. and and certain things that are just like unbelievably scary it starts from the bath and do you remember in nightmare in elm street when that fucking claw pops out of the bath yes yes that shit scared me a lot like a lot from a movie that's probably doesn't count as super scary although nightmare uh elm street one the original one is pretty yeah it's pretty good it's, it's pretty scary but like that that is an image that I think about a lot. Uh, the ring with the girl comes out of the fucking TV or whatever the fuck. Those those there are certain images that I think are really important to horror. That your brain has like the people who think this stuff up and 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 make it happen. It's 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 super impressive. Well, and there there also can be. It's funny that there could be classic images, classic horror images, and movies that aren't even that good. I, yeah. I think I saw a movie called Tss, which is basically it's it was about a bunch of snakes that just <laughs> invade this town and I think it might have been the first time I've ever seen like you know that faucet for the for the for the bath for the bath and just snakes coming out of it just Ooh, snakes multiple yeah. snakes dropping out of that into your bath water you don't know oh no. fuck me yeah. man no. it reminds me of one of the scariest moments I've ever seen is um when um that guy goes to the bathroom on snakes on a plane and then a snake mm-hmm. bites his dick, you remember that? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that? Okay, I'll get real the shit. Snake on I, my dick. Dude, I am a connoisseur <laughs> of that moment. Because I've seen that movie two times, but mostly I just watched that part because the thing is funny. He's pissing and the snake gets hit by some piss and goes like, what the fuck? And starts trying to dodge the piss. Yeah. And then his furor over getting pissed on really makes him attack the guy's dick. So it's just like you could just be taking a piss and not be paying attention. And, you know, and anything that comes out of toilets, man, from yeah. the yeah. old school. The like, alligator. The chud. Well, I, I never thought alligators would come out of there. But like the chud type of shit or those little baby dudes. I forgot. There's a movie with like a little baby guy coming out of a. Uh, it's a central image. What the fuck was it? I will remember the people. I know the I know the image. Yeah, yeah, the image of like a little green, black baby head, like just like dark, weird baby head coming out of a of sinisterly coming out of a toilet and it's gonna bite your asshole. Also, um, in Dreamcatcher, which is like one of the worst movies of all time. Terrible, bro. The shit weasels in there. These 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 little monsters that would go up your butthole to get into your body and move you around. Oh my god, dude. Anything going in your butt or in your mouth. Uh, in Star Trek, they had these fucking and start to the one of the Star Trek movies with William Shatner shit. They were putting um putting goddamn caterpillar eel yeah. things in people's ears and shit. Any of that stuff, all of that is so relentlessly horrific to me. Well, that kind of that kind of crosses over into the uh sexual horror element that we really haven't mm-hmm. talked about, but you know. 
anything where your body is being invaded by something against your will has like those kind of horrific rape connotations. I mean, the most classic example is the fucking alien uh, face hugger. And like, there's just something so again, dehumanizing and body horror. And like, it's just pure visceral, like, Oh God, no. Even that moment in uh, the matrix where they put the thing in his belly button that's oh, like yeah. the tracking beacon or whatever, that's fucking gr- like I, I have a hard time watching that. It gives me the shivers. Mm-hmm. Right, any any creature go any creature that looks at one of your orifices and goes, "Oh yeah, give me in its there. legs, great, give me in there, baby." We have so, a bunch of major fears. One, you're fucking somebody or something, <laughs> and it goes awry. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I watched this uh, movie VHS. And it's a vin- it's a bunch of vignettes of a low budget horror movies, and there's one about this girl who, spoiler alert, turns out to be a monster. But like she's like kind of creepy and kind of weird and sallow and like, Ugh, but she's kind of pretty and she likes this guy. And this guy's kind of on a date with her or whatever, and they go back to the room and blah, blah blah. And then when she reveals what a monster she is and why, like her liking him is like a death sentence, you're just like fuck. You know, because every every dude, you know, to hear these fucking Andrew Tate say it, every dude's so fucking lonely unless you're the top G. So unless you're the top G, every dude is, is a lonely loser. And you look at American society, it seems like a lot of them are. And so the, the just to get a girlfriend, any girlfriend, oh, there's such a boon to them. But then she turns out to be a psycho who's like laying eggs in you or something. You're just yep. like, ah, oh, fuck. I mean, there should be a thousand of those movies, given the tenor of the country and especially since certain movements have come. I just think I want to write a couple of those. I want to write three or four. The chick is the monster movies and not even like empowering or depowering. Some of them, she'll be the good guy. Some of them, she, she won't, but like evil monster ladies, let's Dude, get to it, man. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give away anything that's, you know, really worth anything, but I've got a treatment written for a horror movie. It's a girl's trip with five girls who go to Vegas, but they're all murderers. And their trip is they go to Vegas just to kill people. And the reason that they're able to get away with it is because they're five hot chicks in Vegas. And Mm -hmm. like, so nobody questions what they're doing. No, but everybody's like trying to bang them instead of actually like paying attention to what they're doing. And it perfect. And it just turns into like, yeah, it's like a men's rights activist's worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, hey, hey, I'm the top G. Bring those girls in here. Ah, get stabbed. 100%. (laughs) Oh, man. That oh, that's so, great. That is yeah. so you kill a bunch funny. of people that nobody likes. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. But that's then fun. high rollers, assholes. But yeah, it's got to spill out. There's got to be some collateral damage to make us give a fuck. Yeah. Well, there's there's a whole the the the, the thing that makes the story work is that the girls are having very grounded, relatable drama amongst them where it's like their friendship is kind of deteriorating just because they're in totally different places in their lives. But because they're all sociopaths, that means somebody's going to have to kill somebody else in order to like, because you can't, when you've got a murder pact between your five friends, like you can't grow out of the friend group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so it's like a a little bit of monster meets the craft. Boom. Sure. There you go. That's how you, (laughs) Uh (laughs) without your press kit, buddy. Love it. Uh, Love it. But, but yeah, so basically, as we round out here, um, the, 
I think I want to talk about certain like horror concepts that are always can't misses. If we make like a, let's make our little top 10, I guess, list of horror concepts that always miss. I'll start us out just so we understand that this isn't going to be that hard. Haunted doll. Uh-huh. It's got to be in the top 10. It's got to be in the top 10. Any sort of haunted dolls, uh, uh, simulacrum or whatever, any type of shit like that. It's in the top 10. Um, Oh, also, uh, but you know, I just got to say, I don't think werewolf crap is in the top ten. God damn it, I, I, I just don't think it is. I, it's, it's too old for, even, for me. Even more interesting, if you think about this conversation, the only real classic monster that we've talked about is Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and even that, it was in the context of like, well, this isn't that scary, but here's why it may have been scary, and. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the nature of horror is like as the frontiers of our understanding and and culture expand, the things that frighten us become very, very different. Yeah. And, you know, if you did a werewolf movie, I think you even mentioned this earlier where it was something like, oh, it was Batman where he wakes up and he's like, I've murdered all these people. Right. If you did a werewolf movie like you never even saw the werewolf, you just woke up naked in a field with blood covered all over you and went home and then heard 70 miles away on the news that an animal killed four people in their house. Like those, that's interesting, Mm. you know, like, or even you don't, or even you're not even covered in blood. You just wake up feeling weird, not remembering the night and then that happens and you have to start wondering if you did that. I mean, there's like a bazillion ways to do the, the werewolf that would be interesting. And maybe you see it the last second of the movie. Well, and, and also it's just like one of those things that might be, I think one thing that we do as a modern person is go, if it can't be a movie, it's not a good story. And I think hmm. that's wild that's because true. like that story you just told uh, Stephen King did that in about a 25 page short story. And it was, I think it's called like Strawberry Fields or something like that. It's basically about a guy who's realizing that he may or may not have committed his town's worst murders because when he really starts to trip, he gets interested in the case and starts really tracking shit down and realizes he doesn't have an alibi for half of these fucking times. And some of these people that are murdered are people that he knew tangentially and had little tiffs with and stuff. And he's like realized that he may have lost his mind and he'd been Tyler Durden into doing crimes and shit. And it's chilling and good. But as a movie... It's it like, motherfucker, I, you, I, I didn't see none of the killings. Uh, it's a movie of us all reading a bunch of r- clippings, but it doesn't have to be a movie. It could be a movie, it could, I mean, or it could be a short story. It could be a novel, things 100%. of this nature. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. So, but yeah, Werewolf's Ain't on the going, list. I, for me, going back to your. No, I, I was going to say, I, I want to put one on the list. Cannibalism played straight. Mm. Anytime you play cannibalism straight. Yeah. To me, that's horrific. And again, I think of the road. I think of the Bad Batch. Um, I even, Shit. you know, things Yellow like jackets. The, yeah, I was well. I was going to say like the, the the historical story of the Donner Party being mm, trapped mm. in the mountains. Like mm-hmm. that is always horrible. Oh, and just as an addendum to that, I, we know we didn't talk about uh, for the fans. I know we didn't talk about zombie shit a whole bunch. Uh, you can refer to our Daniel Krause episode where we talk about the Night of the Living Dead and all the concepts of the zombie. It's, I, I think, our second episode of this uh, present incarnation of the show. You're welcome. Take that for your zombie stuff. But I just want to say for me, the 28 Days Later, the fucking techno zombie has a, has a real um, place in my heart. It's not tied to any magic or any mystery. It's like, okay... Virus gets out. People are acting bad now. What are you going to do? 
Because when you can't tell the difference between a good person and a bad person at a distance, people start getting shot in their fucking heads, like like Ben ironically was in Another yeah. Living Dead. Yeah. You know, all types of bad stuff happens when you can't tell a good person from a bad person. I think things like The Walking Dead do the double horror of, you know, and most of the zombie movies do this as well. There's yeah. a double horror there. The outside is full of zombies and, and with poisonous bites that'll make you a zombie and make you not be able to die. So you'll eat your own mom. If these people bite you, that's horrific enough. You can't control your body. Boom, you don't get to die. And then the other one in this in this other incarnation is like, this is, uh, you're afflicted. You're not even dead. You're an afflicted leper that bites people to give them leprosy. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't even get the pleasure of death or not knowing what you're doing. You're just some fucked up monster that's living. That's that horrific. Goes- that goes back to the idea of, you know, something outside of your control forcing you to act in a horrific way. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's possession, whether that's a zombie virus, you know, whether that's mind control like Kilgrave and Jessica Jones, I think sort of the umbrella idea there is essentially being being forced against your will by means outside of your control to become a horrible monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that happens whether or not you get bit or not, though. That's mm-hmm. the interesting thing about those movies. You right. have to act. Like, one, one, some of the very first things that happened in that movie, a girl comes in and, like, machetes the fuck out of a dude right in front of him. And he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? It's just a young black girl with a machete that she's just decapitating people casually, chopping people up, and she's about to kill him. And he has to convince her he hasn't been bit. And that giant yeah. attack that he, that she just saved him from, he didn't get bit or else he was going to get visually chopped to death right there you know what i'm saying it's like so people the people who survive a zombie movie are all monsters i don't think we've ever seen a zombie movie where the person in it wasn't a fucking monster because you'd have to be to survive that first wave the people who survived the first wave killed their daughters and their moms and their grandmas and shit whoever was affected around them they said fuck it then (laughs) and killed the shit out of them with with no compunctions i'll i'll give it up to Zack snyder right here although it was written by james gunn in that Mm -hmm, dawn of mm -hmm. the dead remake the most chilling part of that whole movie was when her husband gets afflicted and she's just waking up like it's any other morning and the sun is coming through the blinds and she sees her husband coming towards her and it turns out, oh, he's about to kill you. And the only way for you to live is to kill your fucking husband who up until this moment has given you no reason to do anything but love him. Like that's mm-hmm. that's yeah, harrowing that's shit. That's brutal. Making that moral but not moral decision. Like, sure, and we can logic our brains to say, morally, this is no longer my husband. I got to do the right thing to stay alive. But that doesn't that that doesn't enter your brain because there, there's no that that logic is gone at that point. So that's, that's great. great. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the great trick of the zombie world is that it shows you how illusory and made up our entire sense of morality is yeah yeah it goes out the window when survival comes into it you know what i mean so like that that's brutal okay so what we got we got uh dolls nature (laughs) we've Uh, got uh possession or or forcing you to become a monster uh Mm -hmm. we've got cannibalism um yeah, I want to throw nature in there because goddamn Jaws. Like, Jaws is still harrowing as fuck. It's it a is. thriller, but it will be on a lot of people's horror lists because there isn't anything more scary, I maintain, than being devoured because it, it 
it has each of the things you, you you're rent asunder and you're dying for a while. That's another reason why bears, uh, bears, man, will fuck you up for a while. Like at least mm. the shark in movies, sharks in, in real life and in, in, in real life, sharks and bears fuck you up for a while. And movies, if they want to keep fucking with you, if there's a school of them or whatever, school of bears, if there's a school of bears fucking you, <laughs> that's uh, that's, that's interesting. School of bears, yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. If they've been uh, educated in human anatomy, they'll really fuck you up for a while. In that bear like, oh, you tried these hamstrings, Todd? These motherfuckers are good as hell. I mean, I mean a lion is- will eat you while you're alive, by the way. Yeah, I, I mean, all them shits will. All giant predators will, because essentially they don't give a fuck about your head. So none of them are going to go and like take you out of your misery. They just want to rip open the soft part of you so they can eat what's inside. So it's <laughs> like, as long as they can rip open your guts, they don't give a shit about what state the rest of you is in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. let's also, you know, what's so interesting about this list, though, because at the same time, when this is done badly, it is the worst movie. And not good. Deep blue so, sea. Yeah, I mean that's what's so interesting is like you can. I love that the the. I guess the quality is important. Like it's just one of those things. Like you know, like possession is scary most of the time. But it's if you don't show the possession right, if you don't build it up correctly. That's true. You know. All yeah. Of, all each of, of these. Stuff. Each of these needs a touch. Well, one of the easiest ones to do then is like I'll put something on my on the list of like stranger stranger danger that's my Mm. way of describing it like you're just out and you get help from a stranger and you notice that their keychain is a human toe and you're like oh fuck Fuck. you know what i mean like just this the stranger who's helping you is obviously a good guy got a got a he's got skull in his pocket and he offered you a dip this can't be a bad person. <laughs> and, and next to you, you know, and you look at his back of his trunk and it's got all the shit rattling around their femurs. You know what I mean? Like that, that freaks me out, dude, because like one of the main things of us as a species is if we see another one of us, it is isn't automatically time to fucking fight. You know what I'm saying? Most species on this fucking earth, when they see another one of them, it's time to get it on. It's time mm-hmm. to have a fucking knockdown, drag out fight or over some pussy or some land or something. We're going to yeah. fight right now. Other or at least here, yell at each whatever. other and right, decide so if we're going to fight. Like, yeah, there's, well, there's that's two dogs. options. Well, that's dogs. They take after us. They, they're on that <laughs> pussy shit. They just talk a big well, game. I'm well, talking about most, real animals. That fuck I mean, like up. lions do that. Lions, you get in the area of a lion. They roar at you. They roar. They roar. And then they decide. Am I going to leave or am I, am I about to take this space? Hmm. I wonder what that thought process is like. Oh, this motherfucker's roar sounded a little, a little pitchy, dog. This roar's a little pitchy. <laughs> it, it, it could be that. I mean, yeah. you know. I think I could take him. His roar is whack. I mean, yeah. yeah. A, freestyle, a freestyle prairie rap battle. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, one of my favorite things is when the fucking rams and elk and shit are doing the headbutts and mm, like. Yeah. Sometimes you just, you, you know, they do four or five really good ones. And then one of them is just like, fuck this and just runs away. You know, like, <laughs> Bad enough, I'm gone. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, this isn't going to end well for me. Yeah. Okay. So we got animals. We got possession. We got um, um, dolls. Dolls. Okay. Kids. And, uh, Scary, creepy ass kids. Yeah. Corn, kids. Children of the corn type of shit. Cannibalism, yeah. god damn it. Stop, cannibalism. Stop ignoring cannibalism. my cannibalism. Cannibalism's number six. I'm putting I'm moving it up the charts. <laughs> it's pretty scary, man. Cannibalism is very, very scary. Um, oh, oh, stranger danger. That's number five. Yep. 
Uh, I mean, I think, you know, kind of a corollary to stranger danger is just the concept of the unknown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere. I even think of it though, like your, your example, Ron, of being trapped out in the open ocean, like anything where you're just surrounded by shit, you have no hope of understanding or affecting in any way. Dude, a cave is similarly to the yes. ocean, kind of, because there's so many ways you can go wrong in there. Like, if you crawl out, like anything, I, we haven't talked about claustrophobia at all or Oof, being trapped well, in yeah. something at all. But, bro, anything where if I go this way, I could be walled in and drown and I'll never be able to go back into this other section to get out of here in time. So, if I choose this path, I better be right. Those those urban explorer people who like climb down drain pipes into, into long disused fucking basements and shit or military bases and they go explore them. Get yeah. the fuck! You, you couldn't pay me to explore an old military base. I'm gonna find ten zombies and five different Captain Americas down there with broken shields. Talk about kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know? by the way, that that's the scariest part of Alien Four, and I'm yeah, I, I, that whole the idea of like human experiments, right? So I've I know I've talked a lot about dehumanization, but humanization can also be scary as shit. Where it's like, I'm also thinking of that movie Splice, where they Ooh, make yeah. the baby with the chicken DNA, and it just uh-huh. is like sometimes the concept that something has the feelings or the thought patterns of a human being is horribly disturbing in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. So I got four. We have human experiments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm down. Yeah, five is human experiments. Four, four I mean, yeah, four, four, five is stranger danger. Four is human experiments. Let's go three abject unknown, unknown terrain. Let's call it. Yeah. That's unknown nice, terrain yeah. is, is is a big one because it's it's like the forest motherfucking uh like deep deep forest i said it ain't shit compared to the ocean but that's like saying i'd rather get burnt by a fucking uh, uh red hot poker than the sun this still ain't no joke dude i was a boy scout sometimes man you'd be in the woods and it might as well be the ocean you don't know which way is up there's not these mile markers it's not dark enough for you to use the goddamn you're not a very good boy scout so you can't tell the time by the sun sorry and the, <laughs> the, the fucking the fucking canopy is blocking out the sun any fucking way so you really can't tell what time it is or where the fuck your orientation maybe your compass is broke it, it can get very much like i'm gonna die out here when you're yeah. in the woods by yourself you know what i want somebody to do or more than one person to really lean into the scariness of space because I feel like every time space is scary, it's because there's monsters there, which is a very yeah. old school idea of like there be monsters in the open sea. Mm-hmm. But the idea that like, look, once you get out of an atmosphere, you will die because it's literally the lack of anything. Like mm-hmm. most of most of the area in which we could possibly exist is so abjectly nothing that it will rip you apart. And, and even just that idea, like we always think of space as like, there's always a bright fucking spotlight shining because we're always in space in our solar system. But like when you're in interstellar space, you like can't see your hand in front of your face uh, it just becomes a black silhouette against the stars because you have no direct light source. Like the idea of being lost in space is 
the most overwhelming feeling of being lost. Like you can't even really conceive of it. And maybe that's why people don't really do this because it's so far beyond like our everyday experience. But I don't know if you really sit and start thinking about space, especially, you know, if you smoked a bunch of weed or taken some mushrooms or something like <laughs> the idea of space out, you know, outer space is fucking scary in and of itself. So that's part yeah. of the unknown terrain. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay, we got a top two left. What, what, what else do we not have? Uh, because we got stranger danger with a compass is like, you know, maybe it's, um, what about invisible I, shit? Yeah. Yeah. I think going back to like the sixth deal. sense, kids who can see shit that you can't see do chairs it, moving it, by themselves. We, did we yeah. put kids in there? Well, oh. all the way. Yeah. We, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, kid, kids could be, well, wait a minute. Do we put kids already? We put dolls. Yeah. We put kids already. Kids with seven. Okay. Um, but anyway, like the invisible shit, invisible shit works even up to this day. When you look at something like uh, the invisible man remake that recently yeah. came out, our buddy mm-hmm. Lay Wanell, Lee uh-huh. Wannell, Lay Wannell, <laughs> that motherfucker once again, broke his foot off as a fucking screenwriting and some directing because that shit was kind of amazing. As far as like, is that moving? Is there someone there? Did I hear a creak? That sort of shit. Invisible shit. Even a science-based invisible shit is scary as fuck. So imagine ghosts and all this pusillanimous yep. shit everybody else believes in. It just gets exponentially more scary, you know. Uh, so yeah, yeah, invisible again, shit is a big one. Yeah, it it again, invisible shit means everything else exists. Good luck. Well, yeah. and you know what's what's really fucking sad? I guess I guess that goes into ghosts because again, people can look up this movie. I think Barbara Hershey was in it called The Entity. That motherfucker scarred the fuck out of me as a kid. It just it's based on this tale of this lady who basically was assaulted multiple times by something invisible. And it followed her from residence to residence for fucking years. Ooh. And she would she would think that she had to overcome it and then it would just grab her up and do stuff to her and they uh in the movie they try to freeze it in ice and shit all the paranormal people of the day obviously didn't believe her and one of them does start to believe her but they can't really contain it and even when it ends it's like she's got her new resilience she's defeated her fear of it but it ain't necessarily ever gonna go away fucking super scary and you can't see it and it can't be contained and it can't be stopped so like that's that's That's, brutal that's that paranormal activity shit that is just like yeah yeah so okay well what's what's number one then because it can't be fucking ghosts because we already basically did that (laughs) ghost is invisible shit but maybe ghost is not invisible shit because when you see ghosts blah blah blah. i just can't have ghosts be number one god damn it i just yeah that goes with invisible shit i think when we're saying invisible shit we're referring to it, demons, fucking all of that shit. Although demons is fucking poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, all that. Here's a here's a here's a thought. Is number one death? Like is number one <laughs> more, like mortality? You know what I, I mean? Yeah, I think I think yeah, it's gotta be. I think it is. Yeah, because most movies you 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 notice most movies don't kill you and then put you into a truly horrific afterlife. That's very rare. For sure, most movies, death is the final fucking thing. And I'll tell you, uh, one of the as a last uh, image, when those fucking Jim Henson ass or yes. Don Bluth looking ass monsters drag uh, the bad guys away in Ghost, drag them to hell because they're bad. That has stuck with me for years. That movie is a nice 
dramedy sort of that's sort sure. of a thriller a dramedy thriller has one of the scariest images because when those guys die they think number one they think they're still alive that there's a beautiful mechanism in the screenplay where like for that moment after you die you're just going what the fuck and you're looking at your body and you're fine and then you turn and you look at yourself and you're dead and you're just like whoa i'm outside my body and in that moment the demons start grabbing this guy and yanking him around. He's looking at his dead body while he's getting yanked away by these evil things into the, oh God. And they're dragging him to hell. Literally. Whew. Scary dude. So yeah, I think yeah. that's gotta be number one. Yeah. It's well, the death, thing we're scared death is, of. Death is so scary that there are about 40 billion religions that had to get created <laughs> so that we could deal with that shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. So for it's, those of us who, who those of you who wish we had mentioned uh the audition by uh, Takashi Miike or something like that or you know yeah th- that stuff's scary. I I wouldn't want my foot sawed off by some crazy chick I invited over my house. You're right. But we're just talking about general stuff here and I think we did a pretty good job of canvassing our our psyches. I was just, And if you're if right two, now after oh go ahead. Two things to to just add um I think obsession gets an honorable mention on the list and that goes mm. even to things like misery, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know what? If it isn't death, then I do think obsession has a strong, strong case for being number one. Cause Michael Myers is obsessed with Laurie Schrode. Sure. And uh, Norman Bates is obsessed with his mama. The yep. birds are obsessed with poking people's eyes out at the birds. No, <laughs> there's, I- some obs- there's some obsession is there. I mean, obsession is like the one thing that will get to get you to act like a monster of your own accord. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's one thing if there's an entity controlling you or, or driving you insane or something, but like obsession, you're driving yourself insane. And that's that's, that's powerful shit. That's the power of addiction too, which you mentioned yeah. earlier. So yeah, I like yeah. that. No, but the absolutely. other thing, the other thing, just going to the point of, of somebody getting dismembered again in uh, the audition, um, I got to give a an honorable mention for a horrific image to, I think it's Junji Ito who drew that sort of concentric circle black hole head. Um, it's a manga image. And forgive me because I haven't read it and I don't know the book and I know that it's very famous, but it's like somebody's head and where their eye should be, there's like this concave surface that almost looks like it's been sucked through a black hole or something. Oh and man, that you know, it's not—it's nothing new. It's—it's it's just another example of dismemberment, which I talked about before. But as far as arresting images go, oof, that is yeah. Yeah. Any kind of eyeless motherfuckers, like people with their eyes like all fucked up or whatever, it's like whatever. But any yeah. eyeless people, um, also honorable mention to they live. I think we talked, we gave a mm. tiny bit of short shrift to things that are that are scary to the modern person. But with all these fucking idiots, and they are idiots, talking about simulation theory, and all these fucking idiots talking about red pills. I don't give a fuck what sense you're talking about. It, you're fucking idiot. Um, but we are having a little trouble in the modern age because opinion has replaced fact as Carl Sagan was talking about way back in the nineties. There's something to they live. They live. Isn't a particularly scary movie, but when you look at how we, how we see information these days, they live basically is about like these aliens that take us over. It's a John Carpenter movie. Roddy, Roddy Popper's a hero. Keith David's in it. And they have like an eight minute fight in an alley. Yeah. Uh, but the rest, but the movie's really about what if 
what if you are the one who understands the truth about the world? What if you put on the glasses and you don't see an ad for Coke, you see a thing that says obey. When you look at a Ms. magazine, you don't see a thing about women empowerment or whatever's in the magazine. You see procreate and have kids. You see all these images that the so-called powers that be want you to see. And, uh, and those are subliminal things that are subliminal to everybody else, but they're abject to you. And what do you do? That's horrific. Like, what do you do? Be a terrorist, kill a bunch of people, you're you you can't you can't know that you're not crazy you can't know that you haven't joined a group of crazies who just put on some glasses that make them feel some dogma there's some responsibility to be in the person who knows that we're ruled by lizard people the person who knows that the president isn't oh, alien or whatever the fuck the, the, well, you, you know that if you kill the president like in the dead zone dead zone super mm. creepy because that motherfucker knows that if he don't shoot this guy who's running for president that dude's going to be like the Hitler of the world and, and raise us to the ground with the Antichrist shit. What do you do? You got to go shoot a guy who's running for president. That's exactly crazy. And then There's, here's the other, yeah. the crazy part about that is you go through with it. You kill that guy. Obviously it doesn't happen, but would it have happened? Exactly. Right. You'll never exactly. know. You'll never know that yeah. that shit is scary as fuck. Now that I think about it, that's like the, just you being saddled with the truth and yeah. you don't even got Kung Fu powers like the one. You're just some guy, and you know, and and then you know, people who think like that shoot up pizza shops. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's like it, there's no way to win that. I I don't know. Being being that is interesting. The crazy hero thing scares the fuck out of me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because like I'm a sane coward. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? As we but, all should be. I think is the yeah, takeaway. Honestly, that is probably guess. the smart way to live your life. Um, <laughs> I will say this. I I just want to point this out. Um, if, if you guys are listening to this and, uh, uh, some of this imagery, some of these ideas, uh, are giving you the creeps and you're about to go to bed, let's say, I, I just want you to know that at the same time that nightmare on, on Elm street might've scared you, it could also save you because you can control your dreams. I just want you to know that <laughs> right away. And that's what nightmare on Elm street taught me. And and so then I have superpowers in my dreams a lot. Um, and so there you go. I think that was, a, yeah, number three, Dream Warriors. And <laughs> us, and um, and if you guys want to stave away the evil that's out there, there's one guaranteed way. And that's uh, to leave us a five-star review. 100%. That is exactly how you keep the monsters at the, at the gates. You keep the fucking monsters out of your closets. Give us a five-star review. Matter of fact, we have one this week. It is from... Alex three two one contact and it says, "Geez, Lewis, what a great pod! This show is good enough for Tyler Durden to give a ninja review in a furniture store." I literally don't know what that means, but the nope. creativity of our fans remains undefeated. And see, this <laughs> might be one of those. This is, dude, we're gonna have to parse this message out. This is from Alex. He's trying to help us. Three two one contact. I think he's from the future or something. He's counting yep. down uh, oh, and he's contacting shit. us about yeah. something serious. So if we don't deduce what this message means, the world's at stake. We got we got to get on this. So right after we get out of this, we got to break out the abacuses and shit and figure out what the fuck. This is our this dead means. zone. Yes. Right. We got to kill the president. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> okay. And you know, in order to kill the president, we need money. So please join our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. Stop <laughs> saying that. We're going to get no, we do not condone that at all. 
I'm going to bleep gonna, that out. We're going to be on a list. The, all right. Enemies of the state. Uh, this guy, right. that guy, this guy, and the greatest pot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, oh, we man. are two white oh. boot, white dudes with a beard, beards and a conservative black guy. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm not conservative. I know you're not. not a sissy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, oh. I'll have you know. Damn. That- <laughs> okay, but uh, so the the um uh the bottom line about this episode and all of our episodes is that we do try to take you on these deep dives. We do try to do all this jazz. Five star reviews. Uh, sending us really? emails at email the greatest pod. All these things contribute to our power and contribute to what we're trying to do for you. As always, thanks for listening to another spine tingling, possessed, dismembered episode of. The Greatest 